1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on
3: Talk Sport judges have
1: it by a unanimous decision from Brixton London to the champion WBO champion
3: the it's body snatcher
4: Good evening, welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport. This is an extra additional episode. Uh, seeing as that we had such a quality evening last night at the O2 Arena for Fight Night Live, we thought we'd get together once again just to pick the bones out of some epic contests. As ever, alongside me, my long-haired lover, it is Gareth A. Davis. How are you, my boy? I'm feeling
2: fantastic, Adam. You know, nights like last night, so what we spent in the O2 Arena... They just fill you with vim and vigour for your job. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be there and be alongside you last night and, and to be back talking about it today. What a night. We will live long in the memory for both of us, I'm sure absolutely mate
4: lots to talk about um lots of uh, fights on the undercord to go through and uh, what next for certain fighters uh nick pete will be joining us a little bit later on as well because uh, he had a different angle of some of the uh the fights that we were watching last night myself and gareth were ringside uh literally getting covered in blood and sweat whereas mm-hmm. nick were on his couch at home and uh, maybe saw some things that we might not necessarily have seen and vice versa so he'll be joining us a little bit later on in the show but let's just start with that main event mate right Going into the fight, we spoke quite a lot going into last night's programme about this being all roads leading to AJ, what happens for the loser, what happens for the winner. And we couldn't have wished, we couldn't have wished for a better contest. The way that that contest started, I, I thought to myself, what, Dillian White has to do something different. There's a question here now for Dillian White. He has to do something different to change the momentum of this fight. I thought Josie Parker started extremely strong. He was quick. He was in and out. He was mastering range very, very well. And then by the time we got to the sixth round, where I think you agree with me on this one, Gareth, where we thought that Josie Parker was quite a way ahead, the fight just all of a sudden turned on its head and Dillian White gained some momentum from somewhere and then took it down the back stretch like an absolute man-possessed until the last round where Joseph Parker seemed to wake up and then thought to himself, hang on a minute, I might have just whizzed away all that fantastic early work that I did. I better uh, I better put a bit of a show in.
2: Well, I mean, all those things are spot on, Adam. I mean, my reading it is of it is very similar, but I would also add that I thought, you know, first four, five, six rounds we saw Joseph Parker's Um, We knew this, his boxing ability, his better boxing ability to the fore, like you say, command of mastery of range, command of range, um, deft in his footwork, uh, in and out, and it made his hand speed that much quicker than Dillian White. Um, But then White, uh, that in fact he couldn't make such an impact on Dillian White, um, I think worked on... Parker's head and, he, and as Do you think f- it broke his heart? Yeah. I, I don't think his heart was broken in the fight I think what it was he doesn't he or didn't in that fight have enough power to put Dillian White away properly early on. And White was able to walk through him, walk through the power. Because you could see Dillian. There were smiles from Dillian at some points when he took the big right hand. Mm. And it was like, "Mm, I've just taken your big right hand. I'm happy about this. I know I can take it and walk through it. And I think as the fight wore on then, Dillian became more relentless, more resilient, Um, refused to buckle, was relentless in pursuit of the victory. And I think what happened at the very end, to add to what you were saying, was that Dillian, that 18 and a half stone, really had told on him in the the last round, and he was exhausted. And if, you know what, if Parker had hit him clean on the chin, he probably would have knocked him out because he just stunned him on the temple. Mm. But I think great things emerged out of the fight for Dillian White in that he's a guy on a mission. We saw that. I had an instinct for that. I think I spoke to you during the broadcast about the story, the interview I did with Dillian in the week where he'd revealed he'd pulled a bullet out of his leg with pliers when he was in gangland years ago, and that he felt like he's on a mission in his life. He's almost on a second life, Adam, Mm. and he won't be denied. He wants that fight with Anthony Joshua. He wants a world title fight. He wants to be the world champion. He wants to fight Deontay Wilder as well. And there's something in him that won't be denied. And in some ways, you said it yourself, you might have been on the broadcast or directly to me as we were sitting next to each other, there's some good dirty boxing going on yeah. here. He was as rough as he could possibly be. Yeah, absolutely. He was warned nine times, or spoken to nine times, by the way, um, by referee Ian John Lewis, and a point was never deducted. Another referee might have taken mm-hmm. a point away. Another referee, by the way, this is the margins in boxing. Another referee might have not counted that first knockdown in that first third of the fight yeah. as, as a knockdown, but a clash of heads, which it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all that withstanding, it might have been a different result if those things had gone that way. But White refused to be denied. Mm. He was back in black. He was the ACDC guy last night. He was the man who came out to thunder, yeah? And And he gave thunder and he delivered. Parker delivered as well. And I wonder now, Adam, looking back on it, If the referee, Giuseppe Quartarone, had not stepped in between Parker and Anthony Joshua during that fight, my instinct now is, back in March, that they would have engaged more.
4: And my feeling is, you know, that Anthony Joshua may well have knocked Parker out. Mm. I I would go along with that, actually. Um, Regarding Dillian White last night, what unbelievable desire. Because at the end we were screaming from the from the ringside to say just hold get be old man him at the end of the day you've got three minutes you've won this fight comfortably down the stretch three minutes now grab old you don't have to entertain us anymore just win the fight and i tell you something his natural instinct is to fight he's a guy from the street and he just wants to throw leather and that kind of led him into down an avenue that he didn't necessarily need to go Mm. down at the end Mm. of the fight Got himself in a lot of bother, and boy, was that exhilarating. But he was exhausted as well.
2: I mean, look, yeah, those guys went at it. They, 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 it didn't really let up in pace. You could see how exhausted they were when both men were trying to lean on each other. It was know. around
4: round six and seven, Gareth, where they, they actually both looked tired. That's, and they, they did. We, we said to each other, didn't we, that when, when Josie Parker was going back, I think after the seventh, it was in the eighth when he was knocked down, wasn't it? So just yeah. before that happened, we looked at each other and went, he's blowing out his backside here. He's in a lot of trouble. I think it was the ninth
2: round that the left hook knocked him down, actually. Mm. Um, but, but look, uh, that's the kind of night it was. It, you didn't know what round you were in at times. <laughs> no, really, because the whole night was a bit like that. And I know we're going to talk about the whole night. But the thing is, um, what, what, what Dillian White did so brilliantly was impose himself impose his physicality on joseph parker i don't think he broke his heart because i think joseph parker was just exhausted by this bigger man putting himself dillian white did everything that he needed to do he did there was a time there was a time between rounds five and seven or eight when i remember both corners were very concerned about their boxers Mm. um um I think Kevin Barry felt that that Joseph Parker was just beginning to lose focus and Dillian wasn't listening to uh, to Mark Tibbs. Jimmy Tibbs was there, of course, in the corner. Do you remember Mark Tibbs saying to him on our broadcast, are you listening to me, Dillian? Mm. Are you listening to me? They were both in the war at that point. And, and you know what, you know we're watching, it's it's a spectacle, it's entertainment. 17,000 people in the sellout O2 arena are kind of gripped to the spectacle. And both of those men, all they could see was the other guy in front of them. Mm. They weren't thinking about game plans. But Tibbs pulled White around. And you know, from I think from round 7 to 10, White then began to win the battle of the jab. Mm. And he won the jab, and he out, I kind of like to say, old man did he used his physicality, he got on top, and, and, and it was a very weary um, Joseph Parker then who was thinking, what have I got to do to beat this guy? He's made the fight even after eight or nine rounds, and then we Dillian had a great spell, knocked him down in the ninth, and then it was only in that last round that Joseph Parker really battled back and had to go for broke. I scored it pretty much a draw, you know, and I didn't count that first knockdown, the clash of heads. Um, as a knockdown. So it, it, it was a very close fight in many ways, but I would have no argument with the judges' scorecards. Three rounds could have separated them, but Dillian White, for me, became a heroic, belligerent, Brixtonian, Jamaican,
4: British boxing hero last night. His journey with the British fight fans has been absolutely unbelievable, hasn't it? I mean, he was a villain three years ago. Nobody really liked him, and then he, talks, he was talking a lot, but what he's done... Over that three years, is that he's backed up that talk absolutely, when, and, and a lot of a lot of fighters do talk the talk. Oh, I'll fight him. I'll fight anybody. I'll go to his own backyard. Dillian White does it, and we saw that he had no he had no need to take the Joseph Parker fight, but he did. And then he's gone out there and put on a performance like that. And at the end, when he's getting battered from pillar to post in that twelfth round, and he's out on his feet, and you're thinking, "Oh my days, he's thrown it away." Just the sheer willpower of staying in that fight. He has is, he is now propelled himself into the hearts of a lot of British boxing fans who now are clambering to say, listen, the guy, the next fight has to be for a world title. He's earned that shot. There's people saying, yeah, absolutely
2: right. Look, he he, he wouldn't be denied. He was very smart in that last round as well. He took his time getting up and he held. He, he told us about that after the fight. Yeah. And, and he, he was smart about it. It won him the fight. Another 20, 30 seconds. He was done, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. He was done. Um,. So, look, I mean, what I'm hearing from a lot of people as well, and I heard it towards the end of last week, people replied to my big piece in The Telegraph on, on Saturday morning saying, and, and some of our interviews, our sit-downs with Dillian at Miguel's gym in Brixton, God, I'd love to be there tomorrow morning when he goes down <laughs> there on Tuesday, um, is that um, there's a British public now, there's a swathe of the British public who believe he's more authentic than Anthony Joshua Because we've seen his story. The British Mm. public, Eddie Hearn said this, they love a story. They love the story of a fighter. Of course. And there's no better story right now than Dillian White, who, like you say, has delivered over the last three years since that seventh round stoppage defeat against Anthony Joshua, December 2015. And he has delivered on every single promise, didn't need to take the Parker fight. And what's happened
4: is his stock has risen absolutely and uh, giving Eddie Hearn a little bit of leverage now for his negotiations with Deontay Wilder whether it's Dillian White that fights Wilder whether it's AJ that fights Wilder it's going to be an interesting six seven eight nine months now as we build towards Wembley Stadium the second Wembley Stadium gig obviously in April AJ's got to take care of Povetkin first in September of which we will be there for Um, but there's lots now to start to get excited about and Dillian White 100% is in that mix Uh, do stick with us this is an extra fight night show Sunday evening as we had uh, picked the bones out of everything that happened the night before at the auto arena and it wasn't just about dillian white and joseph parker there was other stuff going on as well of which we'll talk about throughout the course of the show
3: well you know everybody seems to want the joshua wilder fight including us joshua has i think the toughest fight of his career on september 22nd against Povetkin at Wembley stadium But after that, we have April planned back at Wembley Stadium. And, and, you know, the guy we want is Deontay Wilder. But he's very reluctant to agree a deal or sign a contract. And if he doesn't, Dillian White will be straight in there. He has earned the right to fight Anthony Joshua. You know, he's just beaten Joseph Parker, who Joshua beat. You know, he had him down. Joshua didn't have him down. He's beaten Lucas Brown. Dillian White is number one in the WBC, number one in the WBO. And they also have a brilliant rivalry that stems back many years. Dillian White beat Joshua in the amateurs. Joshua beat Dillian White in the pros at the O2 in an epic fight. So, of course, our our aim with Anthony is to become undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. But if Wilder won't fight him, then Dillian White has absolutely earned the shot jumping in April. <laughs> Are you listening to Fight
4: Night? It's Sunday evening here on TalkSport. Myself and Gareth A. Davis, who were ringside last night, and our good friend, Nicholas Pete, sat on his couch, eating his cocoa Pops in the early hours of the morning, watching all different types of fight sports. I've no doubt we might even touch upon uh, some fantastic UFC action last night from Calgary. Uh, But you were uh, checking out the pay-per-view there, Nicky boy, last night. We kind of just waxed a little bit of lyrical about the whole event in general and obviously the main event. But on the main event itself what are your just quick synopsis thoughts of the main event
5: um spectacular finish absolutely spectacular for a lot of the fight, I've got to be honest. I was screaming at my TV, screaming at Joseph Parker to, to get into third gear, to to not come to the UK once again and fail to leave it all in the ring. I was frustrated with Joseph Parker's performance for long spells, but then I was also, in be, you know, engrossed with Dillian White and this journey that he was on towards, mm. you know, finally getting a crack at the world title. So, and then obviously the last two rounds, that was when you know the cat got kicked, the beer got spilt, and uh, the place just absolutely erupted. I thought. I'll be honest I thought the event had peaked too soon with Chesora. Yeah. I thought there's no way it's going to p- surpass Chizora. but those final two rounds, I was it reminded me of a rocky movie. I'm screaming at the TV. Hold him, just hold him. Cuz one more punch, uh, you know, and he's gone, isn't he? You know, Gillian no, yeah. goes over.
4: Absolutely. Gareth was saying a very similar thing to me last night in in commentary and we also had a little bit of a chat after the event Gareth last night where uh, we were talking about what next for Dillian. I think the obvious one is that people want to see him in uh, with AJ, and Ed- Eddie Hearn must be absolutely delighted because he's now got genuine leverage in the Deontay Wilder conversation, hasn't he?
2: Well, yeah, he has. I mean, you know, I mean, we'll talk about that. I mean, all roads apart from Deontay Wilder lead to British heavyweight domination of the world scene. I mean, just to just to go back over what Nick said just then uh, about the disappointment of, of Joseph Parker. Do you know what, Nick? I don't think... Dillian White's physicality, uh, his bullying tactics, his roughhouse tactics, actually really got to Joseph Parker. He was very uncomfortable in there. And I think that's testament to what Dillian did and what the referee didn't do, by the way, you know? And he didn't let Parker into the fight. It was only when Parker went for broke at the end that he really saw that he could have done something. But I also said before you came on air that my feeling is what we saw from Joseph Parker last night was... He does. He's a great boxer. He does have power, but maybe he doesn't have that real knockout power at the elite level. And I think if Giuseppe Quarterone in in March in Cardiff hadn't stepped between them a lot, um, I think I, my instinct is that Joshua would have knocked Parker out. You know.
4: Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gareth, regarding the next step now uh, for Dillian, because you, I mean, even before last night's fight, you were you're convinced that. AJ comes through Povetkin in September. Then we go to April, and that April date won't be Deontay Wilder. Are you still convinced after watching that last night? Or are you even more sure now that it won't happen?
2: Look, I'm going to go and see Deontay Wilder on my next uh, US surgeon. It won't be as long as the last one, Adam. Don't worry. But the um, <laughs> I'm not going for six weeks again soon. But the the, the thing is, um, like like Nick just said, and like you've said, I mean the narrative for for. for for Eddie Hearn, the promoter now, is set up like a perfect storm. He's got this two-pronged attack. He can make him Deontay Deontay Wildring promotional and and negotiational terms now by saying, look, if you don't want it, I'm going to put Dillian White in with um, Anthony Joshua. If you want to fight Dillian White now, he's a big draw in the UK and you can get this money and then if you beat him, you move on to, to Joshua. But my instinct is, and that's why... Eddie Hearns, sitting at home, listening to this tonight, grinning like a Cheshire Cat. <laughs> you know that big, toothy yeah. grin of his, thinking, well, just, I might have a shave in the morning, but you know what? I don't actually need to, because the job is done. Dillian White became a British boxing folk hero on Saturday night, and his resonance now is big enough to fight Anthony Joshua in April. Obviously, as you said earlier, Um, Joshua's got to come through Alexander Povetkin on September the 22nd. Mm. But I think we're set up now for what we'll get in April next year.
4: Mm. It's going to be so interesting. Do you, do you the agree, this...
2: gents? But do you agree? Yeah.
4: Do you know something? I, I Even before last night, I, yep. I thought that Eddie was just hoping that Dillian would come through it and if, um, and did it in a spectacular way. And he did. There's no other question about that. We are bought in now to the Dillian yep. White story. And that leverage now that Eddie has, I, I 100%, I'm convinced that it will be Dillian White in April.
5: Don't forget, when Joshua went in front of the media in New York, we saw Jarrell Miller step forward and start a little bit of a, a narrative there as well. They had the a war, the war of words. And and I think that was Eddie encouraging Miller to get yourself involved here because he needed to build leverage, leverage against Wilder. So who better than the other unbeaten American that he could kind of bring in? The difference was here is that the fact that now Dillian has done that job for him. Dillian is now the equaliser as well. So from now, from Sunday now, it seems like Anthony Joshua's just got three or four different options. It's no longer all roads must lead to Deontay Wilder next year. It could be Dillian White. It could even be Durell Miller. How the hell, they could even have a final eliminator... To meet him next, it, it's as as Garrow says, Eddie. Last night, you know, he must have driving home from the O2. He must have been thinking. Phew they don't come much better than that. Mm. The the event delivered, there was criticism about whether it should be a pay-per-view. Absolutely. One of the best pay-per-view events I've seen full stop from top to bottom. The card had absolutely everything. Mm. So to, to be in this position now, and, and AJ as well, I think it's great for AJ's legacy. Don't forget, 18 months ago we were questioning who does Anthony Joshua fight to build a legacy where he can be compared to the greatest heavyweight of all time? How can we ever compare him to Lennox Lewis when there's got no one to face? The, now there's half a dozen legitimate contenders. Yeah, mm. the
2: other thing, gents, as well, I mean, I had a straw poll. I was stuck in the the the, the it was annoying. The Blackwall Tunnel was closed going north last night from the venue. The, the traffic... I mean, you guys walk back to your hotel, mm. the rest of the team. I was driving home. It took, I got home at 3 a.m. in the end, by the way. It was a very, very long drive home.
4: Did you and go via a store, Where'd you go? No, you I, 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 mean? I went, via unfortunately, via the <laughs> M25. I,
2: I, I didn't go to my normal haunts, I'm afraid, last night. Couldn't get. get there. That was the frustrating thing about last night. It was the only frustrating <laughs> thing. Um, but, I, you know... People kind of chatting in the traffic jams. It really was very, very slow. You'll have noticed it when you walk back to the hotel. I Yeah, that, um, it was gridlock, pe- yeah. Pe- people were chatting and saying, uh, it, just to me as well, I'd a paid pay-per-view even before the main event last night because yeah. yeah. the, the, the Derek Chizora-Carlos Takam fight was one of the great fights they've seen. And, you know... I, I spoke to Colin Hart, the doyen of British boxing writers, uh, earlier today, and he said to me, and, and you know he goes back 50, 60 years. Yeah. He cannot remember in Britain two uh, a heavyweight as many or two heavyweight title or two heavyweight fights rather on the same card as exciting as those two one mm. after the other ever and you think about all the heavyweights that he's covered i yeah, think wow. you know the other thing gents and this hey, is got to throw
5: dave allen in yeah, as well, well
2: david in in. In the white rhino dave allen <laughs> D, exactly completely wow. de- look when you, when, what, what, the reason why it really delivered last night in that sense is heavyweight boxing is about bludgeoning and knockouts at the end of the day. And we got two spectacular knockouts in the earlier fights and, and, a, and a thrilling, exacting denouement to the, to the main event. Um, but I'll throw another guy in the mix here that we haven't mentioned yet as well. Alexander Usyk, Mm -hmm. if he beats Tony Bellew in November, Nick won't have it, I know right now, but if he beats Tony Bellew (laughs) in November and looks spectacular, he could well be a challenger, a a, a voluntary challenger, to Anthony Joshua as well. He could... Look, Hearn wants... Hearn wants Usyk. He's trying to sign... I did a story in today's Sunday Telegraph. Um, Hearn wants to sign a multi-fight deal with Alexander Usyk for him to fight Tony Bellew, Dillian White, and then Anthony Joshua. I mean, the the, the, the whole scene, we really do... we dominate the world boxing scene now i mean i know there's some spectacular fights abroad last night mm-hmm. and i'm sure you'll mention them at some point but we we have dominance right now and last night one night in boxing does so much and in two weekends we have seen so much change and the mix and the, and the, the mixing and the melding that's gone on has created Great fights, probably for the next 18
4: months. Well, that's why I'm so excited because you've just mentioned a couple of names there. You obviously brought Usyk in there, you brought Bellew in there. We've obviously Dillian White's in the mix room last night. You've obviously Deontay Wilder and uh, Anthony Joshua are already there. And this is now the time for me that we need to start seeing those guys all in together, you know, rather than going off on their own little roots and different paths and what have you. Now's the time to start making those uh, super fights. Obviously, we've got September to get out the way with Anthony against uh, Povetkin. It, it's no easy fight now. It's a proper banana skin. It's a real challenge for him. And if he comes through that, let's not mess about. Let's get these super fights on because... We're getting super nights. Last night, with all due respect to the guys on the card last night, there'll be people that will throw shade on their abilities. But boy, that was entertaining. That's the best. That's the or, one of the best nights I've ever been to at the boxing. Oh, no. And definitely. We, need to, we need to capitalize and keep that momentum going. All
2: right. I'm going to throw one at you two because I've been pondering this on my way in this evening, right? Alexander, um, uh, Alexander Pavetkin gets injured in the next three or four weeks and can't fight on September the 22nd. Mm hmm. Who steps in instead of him? Hundred percent, Dillian White. Yep.
5: Dillian don't White rule or, it out.
2: Don't. Rule or Delboy?
5: I wouldn't rule Delboy out yeah. either. I, I think Delboy would take it. There's more chance of him taking it. Dillian is there. You see, Dillian's a phone call away. Would he take a late notice against Joshua? Gamble the position he's in. Um, yeah, he probably would. No, Dillian. He probably would. He t- he backs it up, mate. Yeah, he talks us he, talk he does walk the
4: wall. I mean, he didn't, he didn't need to be in with Josie Parker exactly, last night, exactly, did no. he? exactly that is the that that's
2: why he comes out of this with so much credit he didn't need to fight joseph parker it was a it was a real obstacle in his way he has proven that listen he's still a raw boxer there's no question about that he's still a raw fighter but he has to use his raw jamaican warrior and physicality to win fights and i want to see him fight anthony joshua again i think joshua's come on a bit more as a boxer than dillian but you can not fault but his desire to be a world champion it's
4: unbelievable
5: yeah
4: that i just can't believe the turnaround that three-year turnaround of everybody treating him like the pantomime villain yeah to where he was last night absolutely lauded last night as he's walking out the arena people patting him on the bike chanting his name going crazy when he was maybe getting schooled early doors with the speed of Josie parker the noise in the arena was saying to, to, to give him a little bit was absolutely tremendous. But generally,
2: gents, if you go from if you can go from villain to cult, which he will do and has done, that creates a much more rabid fan base. And that's really what Dillian needed. Even mm. Derek became a folk hero last yes, night. Yes, he did. <laughs>
4: and who just, who just said oh, that before the night? Derek
2: Chisora. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek Never, You've never watched, heard that before.
4: Never watch a Derek Chisora fight in the company of Tony Bellew. He's a <laughs> nutcase. He oh, is a nutcase.
5: Talk about a
4: bromance. Exactly. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport. Do stick with us. There's lots of uh, bonds to pick out of last night. We've mentioned Shizori's name. I think it's only fair that we talk about that fight. Uh, and what next for uh, Josie Parker as well? Don't go anywhere. It's all coming up next. <laughs> you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. You're probably getting sick of my voice by now, aren't you, talking uh, all things boxing? But we are the home for boxing, so we're bringing you a little bit of uh, uh, um, an evening after the night before. I think we know what the actual phrase is, but I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Sunday night, all right?
5: Sunday night <laughs> like hangover for the it. sound of that sound, is, better. A,
4: That's a good one. We'll go with a hangover show. That's where we're at right at this moment. Um, obviously, we've gone crazy on the main event. It was tremendous last night between Dillian White and Joseph Parker. Live and exclusive on Talk Sport. Um, let's go. To, in, in fact, let's just before we do move on, let's talk Joseph Parker because Nick, you kind of alluded to the fight there that in the middle rounds he just wasn't in that fight, and you and you were thinking to yourself he's wasted another opportunity here in yep. the UK. For Huey Fury didn't like the place up, even though he won for AJ. And you know, I'll defend him a little bit with the AJ facts. I thought the referee spoiled his fun mm-hmm. that night. Um, and last night he started so well, you thought. But it, from around five, six, seven, it looked like he's he just wasn't interested in it. As Gareth was saying at the start of the show, maybe not necessarily his heart was broke, but the physicality of Dillian maybe had put him off a little bit. Yep. And he was wasting the opportunity right up until the, the the last throws of the fight.
5: Yeah, I think it goes back from the from the head clash. I think I don't know why TV reported it as an uppercut, but I think the the post fight showed that it was more of a head clash when he got 100% put down. Hundred percent, it
4: was a head clash. Um, not I
5: think argue. it went back to then. You know, it, it reminded me of like a, a flair footballer on a football pitch getting clattered by the old experienced fullback and then not wanting to touch the ball after that. Mm. I, I got that, that feeling from Parker. He just didn't want to engage with Dillian for such long periods of the fight. I don't think his corner team did much. Service as well. I think the corner team were feeding him the wrong information, certainly late on in the fight, you know, he needed, heading into the last two rounds, I was like, he needs a knockout, Absolutely Plain and simple, right. he needs a knockout, and they weren't putting that emphasis on him, they weren't saying you've got to go out there and, and throw everything but the kitchen sink, he did do that, and to be honest with you, take away the last two rounds last night, I think, Joseph Parker as a contender would have been a million miles away from coming back again and he'd have been in the who needs him club For but the last two rounds saved him the last two rounds he came so close the last two rounds let us come away going if only he'd done that earlier he may have got dillian mm. white out of there he may well now be in pole position to fight for the world title again
4: so gareth what is next for him you know him well you've spent a lot of time with him mm-hmm. over in the states and what have you i know that uh, you think very highly of him as, as i do as a, as a guy he's a, he's a top guy but as nick was just saying there for long periods of that fight he just wasn't in it and then he threw the kitchen sink at it which has kind of maybe saved him he's probably bought himself another fight there yeah on, on another match room card somewhere down the line hasn't he
2: yeah, he has, but um, it's, it's finding the right dance partner now. I mean, you know, you might throw Derek Chisora in the mix there. Obviously, yeah. Derek is is ranked uh, what is 11 at the moment in the WBC. He might well have gone up there now uh, a bit further because Talos, Carlos Taken was 14, so he may not climb the rankings. But Joseph Parker's 6 with the WBC. Um, yes, he could match them. I think we've seen enough of Joseph Parker in the UK in the last three fights. Um, I think... He'll go back to New Zealand and he'll probably rebuild for two or three fights. Yeah. Um, I think he's got to. I, I yeah. think, um, as Nick said, he, he, you know, he did. He look if if he had boxed like he did to round eight for, for um, as he did in the first four rounds to round eight, and then he'd been knocked down and taken an onslaught, and then come back um, in the end as he did and won by two clear rounds. It would have been a great performance last night, but he went missing between rounds five and nine, and, and, and that's significant for me, and I think the reason he went missing is at this very top level against the very biggest men, and men bigger than him, he probably lacks the firepower to put them away, and, and, and that's the problem. Um, He's a great guy. He's a great, he's a great role model for New Zealand and for, for boxing. Um, again, he brought the very best out of Dillian White in the build-up, by the way, as well. Mm-hmm. And the respect levels. We were very lucky last night, Adam. We were... We were six or seven feet from the two men embracing afterwards. And there was a genuine big man's respect for each other as they hugged and and, and went face-to-face, cheek-to-cheek together. And, And I thought they were both standout role models in the entire promotion and both showed that they'll take anyone on. The problem for Parker... Is people will wonder whether he really does have it at the top level and whether the victory over Andy Ruiz to win the World Boxing Organisation title is the level he's really at. He Mm. needs to go away with Kevin Barry and maybe just rethink his game a little bit.
4: And and decide whether he wants to do it because Mm. for me it seemed a bit of a desire situation. The first four rounds I thought, his hands are fast, he's in and out of range, he's looking alright here, he's looking okay, but then all of a sudden it just stopped until the back end of the fight and that seemed to me a bit, because I I was texting you during it actually and I said this is now who wants it who wants this the most it looked like he
5: didn't want to be in the trenches but then the last two rounds he showed that he can he can fight in the trenches so that's the crazy thing I think going away now maybe maybe a big Australasia showdown with Lucas Brown would make sense now as a bit as a rebuilding process um I could also see if he, if he can win a fight like that, you know, against another guy who's still ranked in the top 25, I could see him come back to the UK and fight in Tyson Fury, I really could. But only because I think Fury would look at him and see that the lack of power
4: yeah.
5: is, is is He'd be a good scalp for Tyson to claim on his on his rope, long-term road back to a title shot. But it, it, if it wasn't for those two rounds, I'll be honest, I think, guys, we'd be sitting here now completely writing him off as a, as a contender because yeah. he just didn't have the the ca- cajonis to go, go mm, through it. Mm, yeah. I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I,
2: I mean, m- the last couple of paragraphs of my preview in the Telegraph on Saturday w- was were that in a genuine 50-50 fight, I expect Bo- Parker's boxing ability and movement to see him through to a close points victory. Now, if he'd done that, he would have got it. But it, in what should be a thrilling spectacle, I said, yet if White can draw Parker into a toe-to-toe battle, it may well come down to which man wants it the most. And no one can doubt White's hunger to prove that he belongs in a world title challenge. And that was the difference between the two men last night, gents.
4: Mm. Mm. And then we've got the guy that's obviously starred tremendously on the uh, what you would class as the core main event, Um And just last night was just such a night for upsets. I mean, who'd have seen Dave Allen doing what he did? We'll get to that. Even even
5: Dave Allen didn't see it. No, I don't even think
4: he did. Not even (laughs) his best mate saw it. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, And who would have seen Derek Chisora get absolutely pummeled and then land two world-class shots <laughs> to knock out Carlos Takam. It was just, it was just a crazy night. something in the air last night, wasn't it, Gareth? There, there is
2: something in the air last night, but there's always something in the air when, when Derek Chazor around, and you never know what it's going to be, by the way. Mm. I was there when he brawled with David Hay in the press conference in Munich, stepped out of his chair and walked 30 paces to, to have a toe-to-toe with David Hay after he'd just gone 12 rounds with Vitaly Klitschko, by the way. <laughs> Look... You look at who Derek has been in with and what he's done. 12 rounds with Dillian White. 12 rounds with Vitali Klitschko. Yes, he was knocked out by David Hay, who was an explosive knockout merchant. But you cannot write... Derek off because he's a very very hard man and you know what he was very canny last night he was playing rope-a-dope with Takam who has got a strut they're very similar fighters actually and what he did was he did let Takam tire himself and but Derek is so hard and he really wanted it last night listen The Joe Joyces of this world, yeah, they're bigger. The Anthony Joshuas, they probably do blow Derek away. They're young, virile, and they punch very, very hard. Maybe not Joe Joyce in in the same breath right now as Anthony Joshua. But Derek Chisora has a role to play. You both mentioned it. Derek Chisora could step in at the 11th hour Hmm. and and save a card now, a very big card, if they wanted to. Because, as he said, when I put my uh, Union Jack mask on, I'm not going to be beaten. And and there's something quite lovable about Derek. You know, you get used to him. You know, he, he used to be a pain in the backside. He used to get fined and banned all the time, fined rather, by the Boxing Board of Control for doing stupid things. But he started to become very funny. He got the two promoters to put that bet on in the week. Yeah. He's, there's something about him and he's, his presence has grown and he's now very comfortable rather than... Rather rather than the kind of awkward, spoilt child as he used to act like, you know.
4: I don't know about you, Nick, but in, on comms last night, I was building up to the fight. I was a little bit worried for Derek because for me, he needs real needle, real animosity towards his opponent to really bring the best out of him. We saw it. Uh, we uh, The Dillian White fight is probably the best example of that, but we have seen him stink the place out yeah. because he's just not into it. He's not bothered. And I was thinking, where, where's his head at tonight? And to be fair, when the fight started and Takam started putting it on him in that first round, yep. I mean, he sat in his corner, didn't he? He sat yep. basically in the corner getting absolutely pummeled for a good two and a half minutes of that first yep. three minutes. But it woke him up. It woke him up. And I thought, and because in the second round, he'd come out and all right, he still got, he lost the round, but he, he, he gave it a bit. And I thought, Derek's up for this now. And then you kind of start Feeling the crowd singing his name because they can see he's up for yep. it, and you think, Derek, why don't you just do this every single time you go through the ropes? <laughs> Come on, man!
5: There was <laughs> a time there as well, Howard Foster. You know, if you watch the fight back in the first couple of rounds, it was around three or four. Howard Foster's not far away. He's quite—he's standing really close to the action because. Derek was taking so many shots up against the ropes, but he was covering up, and he was just doing enough. He was just throwing enough counters to keep Howard Foster on his heels, make sure he didn't step in. Mm-hmm. It, listen, it, it, he said afterwards he played rope a dope, and it was all part of the master plan. Whether that's the case, I don't know. I think typical Derek Chisora turns up. He doesn't even know which Derek Chisora is going to turn up. I'll be honest with you. I don't think he does. I think the fight started. They've, they've. He's realised that Tackham is just wind up these huge shots. He's catching a lot of them in his arms. I think his confidence grew as the rounds went because he was thinking, I'm still okay, here. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, you haven't rocked me yet. You haven't really hit me yet. Yet you've thrown a lot of punches. And he could feel the the, the power draining that attack. And he thought, okay, I'm still here now. I'm going to come back now. I'm going to start throwing shots back. But it was interesting what Tony Bell, you said on uh, on the commentary where he was saying that this for this camp... Chisora brought in sparring partners from America. He spent money on the camp, which is something he, yeah. he, he doesn't usually do. So you can see, really, seeing this as his last opportunity to stay in the game. And you know what? This win at the weekend, this has put him. This has put him into the top ten in the heavyweight division on box records. It's, it, it's and, incredible.
2: And, and gents, we haven't mentioned one thing yet it could be Derek Chisora who faces Deontay Wilder very soon as well Yes, because that would work as well
4: absolutely 100% it would I mean Eddie he's sat at home like you, said, like you said Gareth he's sat at home in his vest and pants right now he's just had a fantastic Sunday roast he's got a nice little Mal back on the go has he and he's thinking that's right boys you talking out for me yeah that's right my
2: son we'll have uh, well, I don't need to stick the matchsticks there for the grin today it's uh, we've got Del Boy against uh, Deontay Wilder and we'll have Dillian against Anthony Joshua and we'll have 150 million in the bank <laughs>
5: <laughs> Cushty
4: get Love
3: Island why are we all doing Boise impressions I'm to, from I'm all go, the I'm, films of Boises yeah, I'm going to Ibiza
2: I'm going to Ibiza for a couple of days
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> mate i would tell you something Cheddar Ching that's all I'm saying Cheddar Ching he's clocked the game we're going to continue picking the bones out of last night what an epic night it was at the O2 arena you are listening uh, to fight night on talk sport don't call it a comeback You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport. We've got an extra special show for you this weekend. Hope you're enjoying it so far. We're picking the bones out of last night's epic commentary, which was live and exclusive on Talksport uh, from the O2 Arena in London. The main event was obviously Dillian White uh, versus Joseph Parker. We spoke about Derek Chisora's epic knockout of uh, Carlos Takam, but that's not where it stops. Normally, we'll just leave it now and just say, yeah, this person won that, this person did this. There were a bit of this that went on. We've got to go through the whole undercard because it was all absolutely tremendous and the unified lightweight uh, women's world champion was in action. And I'll tell you something, Gareth, I know that me and you have spoke about her on many, many occasions, Katie Taylor, but when she sniffs blood, she's like a shark in the ocean, mate. She just goes at you and is relentless.
2: Yeah, I thought it was Katie Taylor's best professional performance last mm-hmm. night against a woman in Kimberly Connor. Who spent a bit of time around in the week is very tough mother of twins you know has a has a job of course um she's not a full-time pro but Mm. you could tell from you know she has very big legs and i mean powerful legs by that because you have to be careful how you describe a woman of course as an athlete but she has very large powerful legs a long torso and, and you could tell she was very tough and she caught katie taylor with some very telling counters, maybe only four or five early on, that big mouse that came up under Katie's eye that you could tell affected her a little bit. But this was was a more composed Katie Taylor, and this was the Katie Taylor who stopped a dangerous opponent in the way that... Roy Jones Jr. used to do with referees stepping in because of his flurries, or Joe Calzaghi, or even Amir Khan. Mm. And I think she has that skill set. What worries me for Katie Taylor? And she's obviously back in action against Cindy Serrano. I couldn't get it out last night, (laughs) could I? Um, when It was either Amanda or Cindy, but it's Cindy Serrano in Octo- on, on October the 6th in Chicago. That's fine, get that out of the way. Forget about the world title belts. For me, she needs to be matched with big names Holly Holm, who beat Ronda Rousey in the UFC, um, a former uh, boxing world champion, yeah. kickboxer, and she's the perfect kind of opponent. Heather Hardy big following in New York, sassy blonde woman. Those are the kind of fights she should be in. If they don't do that, she'll never get big enough. Mm. And I think she's the most exciting woman fighter in the world, maybe outside Claressa Shields. But the one thing I'd say is, and I've said this all along, gents, Anthony Joshua is a massive star. He turned pro at the right time after London 2012. She should have done the same. They don't always agree with me in Ireland, even the journos there on this, but she could have Sold out Croak Park fighting Minnie Mouse in 2013. If she turned pro, then they left it a bit late, and they've got a big
4: building job to do. Mm, level of opponent is going to be a problem at some point for her, isn't it, Nick?
5: Yeah, what's star power? As Gareth said, there's the, you know, you look around at divisions, you look, you look, the, the other girls around, and there's just there's nobody there that's a household name. The biggest name that Gareth can think of actually fights in UFC. She doesn't even compete in a boxing ring anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. This is the issue, but it would absolutely Nick. work 100%. Gareth, this yeah. that would be the big, the big, uh, you know, showpiece fight for a career, if you like. But the problem is, it, it's bringing that fight together, it's put. it's finding that money on the table. Now, I know Katie's got a magnificent following over in Ireland, but it's hard to build it as a superstar when the level of opposition in the opposite corner, chances are, for most fight fans. The, the night you see the girl walk to the ring to fight Katie Taylor will be the only night you ever heard the girl's name or seen the girl fight before. And when you look at throughout the weight divisions just below and a couple of weights above Katie, you're struggling to pull out a single name that any any common fight fan Mm. has ever heard of or even seen before. And that's something the women's game has obviously got to catch up with. Listen, a couple of years ago, Gareth will tell you, 10 years ago, the only women's boxer even I knew was Jane Couch. And, you know, it's changed so much since then. The sport has changed so much. And it's kind of been, you know... Fast-tracked because of the success of Ronda Rousey in the UFC. We suddenly realised that. Sports, entertainment, fight sports, women's, as just as attractive as men, it will sell. It will sell pay-per-views. That's only just coming into boxing. Remember, amateur boxing for the women's only just come in as well. It's going to take time for the sport to move, and Katie Taylor may well be ahead of her time. I think she is,
2: gents, and I think, you know, obviously the Olymp- women's induction into the Olympic Games in 2012 has played a big part in, in the, the more women being being prominent and prevalent on largely male-dominated cards. And and Nick's right. It's, it's, that's why so many female uh, combat sports stars tend to go into mixed martial arts now um, rather than boxing because there's a future there. I mean, you mentioned Jane Couch who was obviously the first female professional in the UK. I mean, I covered the career of, uh, of Layla Ali, Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali's daughter, between about, I don't know, 1999 and 2005-6 and she, I, I mean, I went to a big circus tent in Syracuse, New York, when she fought um, Jackie frazier lied um, uh, 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 Joe Frazier's daughter, yep. and, and we had the, you know, we had Ali Frazier 4, basically, a catfight in a big circus tent between the two women with the old men there. But she never found the right opponents or the right kind of combatants. I think Cecilia Breakhouse. Uh, if Katie c- could meet Cecilia Breakhouse, that would be brilliant. She's been a long-standing world champion. Clarissa Shields is too big for me. Too big, yeah. Too big. Um, Heather Hardy kind of matches up and I think she's a name. I think Holly Holm matches up. But outside that, there isn't a lot for Katie other no. than the world title belts. She'll clean up the belts in five or six fights, but an Eddie Hearn will use her on the DAZN fights in America, and she'll fight in Boston, Chicago, and New York, where mm-hmm. it's a big Irish following, and they'll fill a third of the of the venue with them. But I, I just fear for her becoming a very big superstar, not because of a lack of personality, but just because she's such a quietly spoken person and a pure athlete. I think the best
5: thing that can happen to Katie Taylor, I'll be honest, is... UK's own Natasha Jonas to become a world champion Well that's a great and for them to, well, to rekindle their Olympic rivalry yeah, I mean, because that was the atmosphere at yeah. the copper box at the Olympic Games when they fought was absolutely incredible I think that literally could be the best thing and the biggest fight because if Natasha Jonas can become a world champion then steps up in there and Katie fight yeah. they could fight three or four times on the UK and make a fortune and put on you know, an absolute exhibition. So mm. I'm
2: a massive fan of Natasha. I'm, you know, one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen box. I remember meeting her when she was a young woman It would have been in Rotunda ABC, I think, Nick, wouldn't it? And spending the day up with her. Most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I mean, she could literally be on the cover of Vogue, and she's a beautiful person now, and a mother, of course. I'm so glad she's come back into the sport. Being at that Olympic semi final in London in 2012 with those two in there, and the place, I mean, they said there was more noise. Than the jet aircraft yeah, were taking right. off that day. It made more noise. It was a brilliant final. What I fear for Natasha, Nick, and I don't know whether you agree with me on this, um, Katie's hand speed is so fast, it might always give Natasha problems.
5: Yeah. I want to see it though. I oh, want to see it. Let's do it. Absolutely. Well, Natasha's got that Southpaw style as well, you know, she does everything backwards. She's in a great gym with Joe Gallagher and all the guys there. She's moving, you know, she's moving forward really quickly and i think katie with this level of opposition Mm. may well start taking things a little bit easy natasha's hungry i don't know for me the narrative's there for a women's version of ben eubank
4: yeah and uh tasha's in action next week in uh, in cardiff so we'll be speaking about that a little bit later on as we start to preview the upcoming fights i just want to quickly touch upon uh connor ben's uh performance last night because this was obviously uh the throwback to the uh this last december when we were at the york hall for his fight with cedric pinot six rounds of absolute mayhem and I was kind of praying for ten rounds of the exact same thing last night. But it was quite evident, Gareth, and I said this in commentary uh, last night that uh, he was trying his best, Conor Ben, to work to the instructions that were given to him. But it was alien. It's alien to him. He's no amateur. Real pedigree. He's learning on the job as a young pro. He's very good at street fighting, but when it comes to boxing and maybe boxing on the back foot, he's not there yet, mate. And we saw that in the first couple of rounds. It looked, it looked awkward at times, didn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean, we look, we've got to be honest about this. He's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders, bearing the name Ben, of course, the dark destroyers. Father Nigel Ben is a British boxing legend. And of course, Nigel was there last night and very protective about him afterwards. We're watching a novice, frankly, developing in front of our eyes. He had a very little amateur career. Um, He's very tenacious. I think his natural style is a brawler. Um, And at the moment, because of what happened against Cédric Peynot in the first fight, where he was down twice in the first round, they wanted him to be... Um, cuter much Cuter yeah, cute. than, yeah. Exactly I better use ring smarts But he's not there yet And mm. in the first round The first couple of rounds And as I said at the time Peino, And as I know A lot of kickboxers And I've watched a lot of kickboxing They're very very tough For 15 minutes yeah. and, and they can take And absorb a lot And give a lot And you know Connor, I think Went in with the wrong game plan He let Peino Get a massive foothold In the fight early on And um, I, I, He might have been better off Just meeting him in the middle
4: frankly, you know, it, sometimes you, it is better to stick to what you know, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it is. You know, you're trying to change him. I know he's only a baby, still only 21 years of age. And the name is, is what to give. Let's be honest. If he wasn't called Connor Benny, he wouldn't be on this high up pay-per-view cards on, on, on matchroom events. Um, but that's not his fault. You can't blame no, him so. for that, and he's he's basically playing with the hand that he's dealt. But I think last night I would love to. I was so expecting it to just to be the next round, the follow on from your call, just like the fight continues from here. Mm. Because that's Conor Bang's selling point. Mm. He's the selling on the fact that he's a brawler, just like his father. And yet, you know, from the outside in, of course, he's not a welterweight prospect like Josh Kelly's a welterweight prospect. Few on the planet are. But he is what he is. At a domestic level, he's gonna make a lot of people happy. He's gonna put a lot of bums on seats and we and we should just enjoy him for the fight that he is. I think trying to change him now and make him into a bit of a stylist might be a bit of a mistake.
2: Yeah, I completely agree, gents.
4: It's a very difficult division, that welterweight division, to really kick through. Um, What, Spence,
2: Pacquiao, um, (laughs) Crawford, um, you know, (laughs) come on. I mean, Garcia, if he wants to move up there, Mikey Garcia. I mean, my (laughs) God. I mean, there's so many... It's probably a bit too far for him to go, but it's a... You know, the, the welterweight division to survive at the very elite level in that division you've got to be a world beater and what we learnt last night was he's a terrific young man he's very tenacious but he's got a long long way to go
4: no, absolutely. But, but you know, the British title isn't out of his grasp. That's no, no, something that, that that he should be aiming for, and, in and my opinion.
5: Should, and they should be—that should be what we should be talking about as well. Mm. You know, let's not get carried away with them It's easy to watch the likes of Buatzi and talk about world titles and and legacies and potential. I think with Conor Ben, it's a different type of potential, as I say. I think deme- we should look at domestic level. And you know what? If he wins a British title, I think he's done well. Then we'll when we t- potentially look past that, you potentially think, okay, can he win a Commonwealth? Can he can he even win a European? But that's that we need to. Put a limit on where Conor what Connor Ben can achieve. Let's be realistic here. And as I say, enjoy him for what he is. He's, mm-hmm. he's a warrior. Exactly. He leaves it all in the ring. Man, exactly. let's just enjoy that. Mm.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I listen. I enjoy speaking to him, and I enjoy watching him fight not necessarily uh, watching him attempt to box that's where I am at we let him fight Get i want to know
2: there. i want to know where he's going to find space on his body for a new tattoo that's yeah.
4: what I'm <laughs> i think he's run out of skin mate he's yeah, he, he, he's brilliant. It's, it's great to
2: have nigel and Connor back in british boxing together Absolutely. And, uh, we say we say it every week this is a golden age for us it really yes,
4: is it is we're very blessed at this moment in time we're going to continue the conversation next don't go anywhere it's fight night on talk sport
2: On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport.
4: You're listening to Talk Sport. This is Fight Night. It's an extra show as we uh, pick the bones out of last night and various things going on in the world of boxing. Um, we are your home for boxing. Make sure you come and join us every Saturday night. Uh, either for uh, a a conversation about uh, the Queensbury rules or we'll be coming to you live from a particular event like we was last night. Gareth A. Davis alongside me with Nick Pete as well. And you two are going to laugh your heads off at this, right? Check this out, right? The producer of the show, Young Matthew, has said to me, the best venue in the entire UK for boxing is the O2 Arena. Now, uh, there's there's a caveat to it. Just just bear with me a second because a lot of people might be agreeing with him and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Matt has never been to Wembley to watch boxing. I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> All right, we'll just leave it there, Gareth.
2: <laughs> um, look, it, it, I've been going there a long time. Um, my, Michael Bisping, I think, was one of the very first to to make it his home. It's got great acoustics. Yeah. Um, I think um Anthony Joshua put it on another level, what was it, five or six fights out of his first eight or nine that were there, mm. um, yeah, it's become a very special place, I'm, I mean, I remember looking around last night, it's so beautifully banked as well, yeah. in the way that it is, it's under a big dome, it's got that Vegas feel about it, with all the bars, and the, it's, like it's you know, it's a bowl, and, and you know, it's got all the bars around it, when you finish at the venue, like many other venues, you know, if you leave the Echo Arena, for example, Nick, there aren't bars all around it there aren't there's a couple no. of hotels you've got there are thousands of people enjoying themselves yeah uh, at the end of a fight night it's set up beautifully and i think you know it has really become the home of british boxing but i, I tell you what a wednesday night about a month ago we were all in the york hall 1500 people <laughs> lawrence acoli yeah. that yeah. night and it was steaming hot you kind of can't beat that environment either and spiritually that's probably your home certainly in london i mean i know there's you know, Echo Arena is a great venue as well, by the way, having been there many times. And we shouldn't negate that because uh, Liverpool's rocking to the sound of fight sports right now. I
4: don't know about you two, but I just love being in the stadium. I love being in stadiums
5: when people are fighting the thing is the thing with a stadium and and it is it is amazing being in Wembley for a fight you know I I always go back to the the night I completely and utterly fell in love with boxing when I was inside Castle Grey School, aka Old Trafford and for Ben Eubank Eubank. and and that changed my life forever that I'd always loved boxing and that night that was it it was a love affair that was going to last the rest of my life but if you're at if you're at the back, we're, we're we're blessed, guys. We get to sit, we get the best seats in the house more often than not. But when you're at the back of somewhere like Wembley, when you're that far back, it can mm. it can be really disappointing sometimes because you lose a lot of the acoustics. You're so high up, you're basically just watching it on a screen. I, I don't know. I, I just think for me, I've had so many incredible nights at the Manchester Arena over the years with with some of the biggest stars of the last two decades. But I think Matt's probably right. I think right here, right now, today. I'd say the 0-2, nothing beats the 0-2 when it's rocking. It's just, i got to say, it's like a goldfish bowl.
2: Yeah, and, the, and I think the other thing, Nick, I mean, I, I mean I've done 55,000 in Toronto, yep. you know, 80,000 in Cardiff, 90,000 three or four times at Wembley, however many times we've been there recently, mm. that we've had the big stadium fights. But when you're in an arena and the roof's closed and there are 20,000 or even 15,000 in a baying crowd i mean you know when you get the mexicans yeah um, the, the mgm uh, grand arena MGM, when pacquiao fought when,
5: ricky hatton yeah oh pacquiao my. hatton it, mayweather incredible.
2: hatton you know i mean i i kind of i bemoan the days of of, of 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 not being at the the Grand Garden Arena anymore at times when we're in the mm. T-Mobile Arena because it doesn't have great press facilities frankly but you know
4: always thinking about yourself no 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 <laughs> always I, thinking <laughs> about your deadline No you lady that's it there's now, no lady with coffee and now, cake. Now listen,
2: i'm enough to pull rank over you here now mr <laughs> mr brilliant <laughs> presenter because the no I, the only reason being that Next door to the MGM Grand Garden Arena mm. is the biggest press room you can ever imagine. And what happens yeah. is you have Radio Row in there. Ad, we're going to be there, Nick. We're going to be there at some point with yeah. Talk Sport, believe me. There's Radio Row. Not Cal- on this budget, son. Jo- Not on
4: this budget. They <laughs> won't bear for it. Joe Calzaghi. Are you paying? I- 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 Listen, taking I'll, us out there, I'll guys. take us all out there. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs>
2: sail us there. Um, the, the, Joe Calzaghi and Bernard Hopkins, the fight was made yeah, in that room. That's right. Um, and, and what all I mean is, there's an energy and a synergy and things that, that go on in that fight. You, you, you're in that big media room. Lennox Lewis walks through. Evander yeah. Holyfield's there. Mike Tyson suddenly comes in. Um, you know, Buddy McGirt's there. They, what I mean is, it's a melting pot for history. stories and history yeah. and things get made and, yeah. and, and and I don't know, I just I miss that, that's yeah. all. And when you've got a T Mobile arena week in Las Vegas you don't get that anymore and mm. that's a pity. You know, I personally I think last week if they've got big fights at the O2 Arena, and if Eddie's listening to this, grinning like a Cheshire cat... Oh, yeah, he's still, the, the, he's still the, thinking
4: about our last well, conversation about well, him,
2: doing the impressions. Well, well, <laughs> well, one of the things I think they could do in fight weeks to really up the ante is almost like take over one of the cinemas or the multiplex yeah. cinemas during the week. Or oh, even have, one of
5: the bars, Gareth. Yeah, and and just all, make it a media, media exactly, suite. Exactly.
2: Make it a media suite, have all the events there all week, yeah. and you will have... All, you'll have everything bubbling there together. And I think it would generate more for them. Eddie, if you're listening, can we make that happen, please?
4: I think he... Do you know something? I think he's looked at the UFC model a couple of times, hasn't yeah. he? And he's looked at... go Obviously, with him now being in the States with Matchroom USA, the, I think... Even last night, Gareth, and we noticed this right at the start, the production last night of that show in the O2 Arena... It was on a different level. They really did up their game last night. Oh, didn't they?
2: definitely. And there was even a giant mosquito net to keep the mosquitoes over yeah. the ring to keep the mosquitoes off off uh, Michael Buffer's Brill cream. But the but the, <laughs> but, but, the but the thing is
4: this. <laughs> Dude, can I just stop you there, right? He actually, he actually said that to Buffer's face
0: last <laughs> night.
3: But Buffer, he loved
4: it. He Buffer loved was it. sat in front of us, <laughs> and he attacks him, taps him on his shoulder. I mean, this man's a legend. He, he taps <laughs> him on the shoulder. He goes, "You know that that's to keep the mosquitoes off your Brill cream, don't you?" And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Trying right my eyes out. Listen, he,
2: listen, he, he knows how to. Ta- he, listen, I've called. I also called him the James Bond of America last night. I remember, yeah. the most debonair man in the arena. Here, here's the other thing. Not only is Eddie Hearn copying the... the not copying the UFC, but looking at the model. Yeah. Top rank have done the same in the USA. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. They've got an incredibly glossy show. Yeah. And, and and you know, all the other f- uh, fight organizations are trying to learn from it, including their rivals like Bellator. Everyone wants to learn from the glossy model that the UFC created. They are head and shoulders above everyone else in that respect. Um, look, but when Darren Till, we were all there, when Darren Till came out to fight... Wonderboy Thompson in Liverpool uh, way back in early June or late May. What was played? Sweet Caroline, wasn't it? Because people know there's a feel-good factor to it. And I was going, oh, that's interesting. That's what Joshua comes out to. And I think in that respect, the UFC in this country are learning from the fact, you know, everyone's learning from each other. It all
4: works together for me. No, absolutely. it is and, the, and we're seeing now with the types of fans that are going to events and and, and what have you all different age demographics especially for an age show for example it's all different age demographics i remember the klitschko fight and it really rang true because you get on the tube at uh at wembley there as you come away from wembley and you see grandmas on their own yeah groups of girls groups of lads young families, old families teenagers lads yeah. and dads mums with the daughters they're all going to go and watch that particular thing and they might not necessarily be hardcore fight fans but it's a night out now we've we've managed to or eddie should i say i know we're bigging you up again here eddie but the um he's managed to capture the the mentality of a night out people are going to the fight and they're maybe going for a beer afterwards they're going out for something to eat first then on the fight it's that vibe that we have managed to create here in the uk
5: yeah as gareth says i think we've learned a lot from america because Listen, the way sport is now, the amount of sport on TV, this is sports entertainment at the end of the day, and fight sports had to grow up. It had to step up to the plate. Boxing's been ingrained to be done the same way for hundreds of years. It took something like MMA to go, OK, we're going to reinvent the wheel of how you present a live fighting event, and we're going to do it like this, and that's what the UFC did. They take the, the competitiveness of world-class boxing, and they threw in a little bit of wrestling showbiz as well, and they come up with this perfect night out, and it's great that boxing, they now play music between, rounds, they now play promo videos between fights, they they build up an atmosphere inside the arena, it never used to be like that you would literally just, the fight would finish you would have radio silence until all the music starts and someone else is making a rim walk Mm. and we're seeing the the evolution of the sport to be more of an entertainment package not just for, it used to be all the about the home viewer, is the home viewer happy now it's more like Are the people inside the arena, the paying public, the ones who really matter, are they enjoying the experience? And I think today we are. It's Mm.
2: funny, you know, gents, um, you look back at hype and promotion and and the glossiness of, of, of fight events. You really have to go back only to Muhammad Ali where the set pieces during the week became big promotional events, he found a way of of well, he just resonated with with the public. Whether they hated him at the beginning and they loved him at the end, as they did, but, but prior to that, the set pieces that we now enjoy so much, the f- big fight build up. Through the week has taken on a new level, but it all began with Ali taking a vow of silence against Spinks, mm. telling you know g- running into uh, Joe Frazier's camp with it with a with a with a model gorilla, um, d- all the messing around that he did. Prior to that, we didn't have any of this glossiness. People would sit in their suits around a table, sign the contract. You look at back at some of the great old photos, even though it was drawing 100,000 fields in the po- uh, fans in the. Solo fields outside New York or wherever it be, um, Soldier's Field in the United States. There were so many huge events, but the, the selling of things, sports entertainment now, is on a completely different level. And I tell you, fight sports are up there with the best of them.
4: Yeah. Mm. I'm, gonna look, I'm actually looking forward to see how uh, Eddie takes this show to America. Because they will expect a certain thing, that American audience. So it's going to be interesting if, one, it goes over there with something brand new and then brings it back to the UK. Because as you rightfully said, UFC Fight Week, it goes from Tuesday right through to the actual event. And there's all sorts of it's little bits, of, bits mm-hmm. and bats going on. And it is, uh, if you work in the media and you follow uh, mixed martial arts, it's absolutely tremendous. Well, you do, well
2: uh, the, early, the early week of um, July, International Fight Week, Nick's been out there as well. He knows this. You d- haven't got a break because you've generally got the ultimate fighter finale on, on a Friday night yeah. um, and the main event or the main you know numbered UFC event on a on a Saturday. We've even, one year we had a Thursday, Friday and Saturday event. Three events in a row. Two at the Cosmopolitan and then one at the T-Mobile Arena. Right, yeah. But yeah. you've also got the Hall of Fame Induction Week, Fan Fest all over the city. I mean, it's off the charts. That's the only the, the, the O2 Arena is the only place you could do that for a boxing event. Yeah. And I think What they ought to do if, when Wilder and Joshua fight, um, when they eventually do fight at Wembley Stadium or or Cardiff, but I hope it's Wembley because I think that's it would be better to have it in London. Why not have an entire week of events around the Wembley perimeter? Where you do have fan fests, where you do have fighter signings, and it would just build and build and build mm. the event. It wouldn't surprise me if do we it. do if we do have that, and it would be a new level for for boxing, gents. I got a question for you two. Name the best five boxing stadiums that uh, in, maybe in history, or that we'd like to see fights in.
4: All right, <Ooh-hey! laughs> <laughs> it's hard
2: work on a Sunday evening, isn't yeah. it? all right then.
4: The, the acoustics on Weatherspoon's car park in Blackburn's really good <laughs> <laughs> I've, had a few, I've had a few square goals you, there in my yeah, time you're not, allowed to count,
2: you're not allowed to count bowlers in Manchester
4: <laughs> <laughs> listen I'll have a think about that we'll come back to it before the end of the show quality question uh, do stick with us because we haven't even spoke about Dave Allen or Joshua Boazzi from last night and um, we're going to do that next right here on Talk Sport in your town <laughs> You're getting way too big for your boots. you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. It is the evening after the evening before. I know I've said that before, but it is the evening after the evening before. So I'm actually stating facts, OK? <laughs> uh, last night, we were in the O2 Arena at ringside, enjoying a fantastic event, uh, of which we're going to continue to speak about in a moment or two. But Gareth's throwing a right spanner into my uh, running order works here by asking us as a quality question. Top five uh, venue? Have they have got to have already hosted boxing
2: gareth yeah i think you can include those in it um so you can take anything from history okay. um but but you know we've got to include a couple that that exist today i
4: think in that list all right then so that so the the best you've asked for the top five venues uh, to host fight sports are you ready yeah, to, yeah. right ego you go man and i was joking before about weatherspoon's car park it'd I'm be it, no 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 I've, that's ruined my list no no no, no. it'd be o'neill's car park it's <laughs> much better it's much better um I'm gonna nick something that we spoke about um last week, Gareth, right? Yep. Mine are in no particular order, by the way, and I'm gonna nick something because I know that Bellator are talking about doing it. Let's go to the Coliseum in Rome, shall we? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely having
2: been there a couple of weeks ago. We've gotta do it, haven't we? Be to have extraordinary. A fight. Yes. Yes,
4: yes. <laughs> let's yes, do yes, that. Yes. Let's put a boxing ring in the middle of the Coliseum in wow, Rome, wow. light them up down the sides, and let's have a Let's, let's have, have, a have a boxing,
2: boxing and MMA night there, actually.
4: <laughs> there you go. Sensation. I'm going with that. That's my, number my, my one. Ta- my, listen, my all time favourite is the MGM. I, just for the hist- history of Las Vegas, yeah. fights, all that type of stuff, you've got the MGM, it's
5: just... Okay, well, if we, uh, uh, listen, I've, we've got to have the MGM in there just because of history. If we're going to stay history there. I'm going to throw Madison Square Garden yeah, of in course, there. You've got to it's have a that. gimme. It's, the, it's the gimme. No one else I'm going to throw in there, and it, it's not used anymore, but I would love to go back in time to Caesars Palace and see Sugar Ray oh, Leonard. Yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard yeah. at Caesars Palace. That yeah. For me, that was one of the most seminal moments Caesar's in history. Caesars Palace. Oh, that's what it was all about. WrestleMania
2: <laughs> I tell you a great venue for boxing and it needs to be full and it needs a 40,000 people, I think it is. Yeah. I went to see Manny Pacquiao against Joshua Clotti at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the screen above us, wait for this, the screen above us was 30 meters by 70 meters. Wow. That man. was the screen showing the fight extraordinarily large it's like a giant spaceship city has landed Mm. the concourse is just huge I don't know if you know this but Jerry Jones the owner of the of the stadium has built the the central entrance to it based on the Wembley Wembley Towers as well so you've got that design there Um, I say that just because of the Magnitude of the place, but I agree with both of you. Love Madison Square Garden. There's a dust, there's a stardust in the air about the place, and um, mm. that's just extraordinary. Caesar's Palace, Nick, you're absolutely right. <sighs> MGM right. Grand must have been there 25 times in my career. It's a brilliant, brilliant yeah. place. You know what? The Colosseum, yes. I like Scott Coker's idea of an aircraft carrier for an event, which is, which is one of his ambitions. What about he... turbulence? What about that would ruin,
4: ruin the fight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it'd add to it. But it'd add to it.
2: <laughs> but, but, but we've got to have Wembley Stadium in there, you know, because I can feel the drums beating when in that place when when the when the main event yeah, fighters special. walk in.
4: It you know, it's it's To it's, be fair, Cardiff's special. When the roof's on at Cardiff it's yeah, yeah. it's an unbelievable Listen, place. Yeah.
2: Cardiff's the home of Wales rugby, yeah
5: yeah that's true end he's not of, like, so end he's not landing like up I'll yeah. be honest uh, if, simply just from a selfish point of view I've been in that Manchester arena so many times yeah. and had so many incredible nights with mm. Naz Calzaghi, Hatton, of course it'd be hard for me to rule that out just because I've had so many incredible occasions there but
2: I agree with you Nick but and what I love about it is is how steeply banked it is as well mm-hmm. so you almost feel like the crowd is on top of the ring um, but yeah it's it's got to wow we, I should have said 10 shouldn't I really yeah. rather than 5
4: You well you said the York call earlier as well we'll throw yeah, that in as well yeah. because yeah. It's, it's tremendous it's all for different sides. so there you go can I throw in one more just
5: to finish off go just on. An, another another old one as well the Red Barn it was known as the Olympic Stadium in Detroit uh, Jake LaMotta fought there a bunch of times. Beat Sugar Ray Robinson there. That another one from history. Mm. Where if I, if I had a hot tub time machine, yeah. I would make a beeline for the for the Olympic Stadium in Detroit. Uh, I'm,
4: I'm. I know that that was supposed to be the last one, but I'm also going to put in uh, Kimbo Slice's backyard. I mean, yeah. some of the fights I've seen <laughs> on YouTube were absolutely outstanding, weren't they? The Azteca in Mexico City. Yeah, yeah all right. Wow. All right, we we'll could we be here all night. We could be here all night. Yeah, we could be. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, I'm. I'm going to go to a man that ruined my accumulator last night. Um, I backed against him. I thought that it might go the distance and he'd get absolutely schooled. Five days notice, he's fresh out of the KFC. Dave Allen <laughs> lands an absolute Hollywood shot and knocks out Nick Webb. Wow. Absolute wow. Do you know something, guys? you might remember me doing this because... I, I, just, It was just before our broadcast started last night, because I think they made the ring walk at about 10 to 7. So I thought, right, I'll just nip to the little boy's room, get myself all fresh and up, because I've got a five-hour broadcast, rock and roll, I'll sit down for a bit of Dave Allen. And I, I saw him, because uh, I went up the ring walk, and he's coming down the ring walk. A little bit of a touch of gloves. Good luck, Dave, thinking nothing of it. There's no chances. anything's happening this <laughs> time. Good luck, Dave.
5: Time. I hope you're still standing when yeah. I get back.
4: Dave, do us a favour. Just make it last a couple of minutes, right? Because I've, I've <laughs> just got to go, go for a, a, a wee, right? Anyway, I comes back in and I watch the first round on a monitor because you, you've got to, for for attendance and stuff like that, you don't want to be walking around whilst people are watching the fight. Anyway, the first round finishes, I goes and sits down. Second round starts and I nudge Gareth and I went, they need to pull him out. He's getting absolutely peppered here. This yeah, is about him. five to four or five, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 was like, it was like just a human punch bag. I'm thinking, Dave, come on, you're going to have to do something, mate, otherwise someone's going to stop this and boy did he do something
5: fourth (laughs) round he just went right go on i'll detonate now and let's have it bang knocked him clean out it was unreal watching it from home it was just kind of it was bonkers because i was i was getting myself set up for the night for the long haul i was getting all my chips and dips lined up and i was making sure my beers were on ice and everything else And obviously dave allen's just become such a bit of a folk hero with british fans now just with his just a lad social media personality the way he is you know he's just great and you want the best for him, but you realise he's very limited with his skill skill set as well. And the writing just looked like it was on the wall. And then just from nowhere... And you know what? As soon as he, he... threw it from his ankles and just wheeled it right over the top of his own head, right onto Nick Webb's chin. But as soon as it detonated, no word of a lie, I thought, this is going to be some night. <laughs> this has <laughs> just set the tone for the most incredible night of boxing. And it truly did.
4: It, the, the, have you ever being involved in an atmosphere like that Gareth because he was basically human punch bag for about three rounds and then all of a sudden the place just went crazy yeah I mean I I think
2: you know that brilliant it was like a bolo punch wasn't it I mean I think the 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 the, what you gotta remember about this guy is that he had um been in with people like Dillian White he'd he was—he was. He was he a went in
4: with Luis Ortiz, man. L- <laughs> he got Ortiz absolutely well, battered course. in Manchester with Louis Ortiz, <laughs> didn't he? he, he Unbelievable. Did. He
2: did, but what? What? You know, physically, to me, he is a Dave's um, kind of. It's very difficult to realise what kind of size Dave is till you're up standing with him. Mm. For me, he's like um, he's he's like a prop forward in terms of his physicality, like a shot putter. He's not the tallest man, but because no. he's so wide. When you're up close to him, you do see that he's a very big man. He's probably slightly too big for for cruiserweights. It's his legs.
4: His legs are absolutely ginormous. So
2: he's one of those strangely shaped player like if he was if he slimmed down by 20 pounds he'd probably be an outstanding rugby league player for example you know mm-hmm. that kind of power he's a power athlete and i think he was very patient last night i mean i didn't agree with you at the time remember you were saying oh pull him out and i was saying, no i think he's being really patient here what he did do was he absolutely splundered uh, a very interesting developing career of Nick Webb, who had 10 knockouts in 12 fights, a kid who'd taken up boxing, had been an international field athlete in shot and discus, um, who'd taken up boxing. Great story, taken up boxing because his grandfather was a bare-knuckle boxer and wanted him to, 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 to box, and he died, so he wanted to do it. And I think, you know, what Dave Allen did last night was he gave Eddie Hearn another problem to grin about. Yep. is that Alan doesn't really want to box anymore. He's got other things to do. He wants some time off. He wasn't in shape. He's put himself again in the lineup where if you've got two big heavyweight fights on a card, why not stick a third one on with Dave Allen yep. and pay him a hundred grand or a mm. couple of hundred grand to box again? Because the
4: crowd loved him. Is a stat. Is a stat for you, right? Is
5: this the Anthony Joshua
4: yeah. pay-per-view stat? Bet- I've seen it. So since December tw- uh, 2016... <laughs> Anthony Joshua has been involved in four (laughs) pay-per-views. Dave Allen (laughs) has been involved in four Four (laughs) pay-per-views. It's unbelievable.
5: (laughs) Brilliant. I think he's completely and utterly adhered himself to the British public. Mm. And you know Mm. what? I I, I hate to do it, but I'd throw throw him in with my mate David Price. That's a fight you can make now. You can make that on any matchroom card because he, he deserves an opportunity and I think he deserves the chance to get towards a British title fight. I just love him. Yeah, it's, crazy, isn't I, it, it, it's the, crazy. The whole
4: story is crazy. And in total contrast, total contrast, Joshua Boazzi. Right? Total contrast. Absolutely. Because Boazzi, all right, the level of opponent for Boazzi last night was well beneath probably what he's faced in the amateurs. But you've still got to deal with what's in front of you. And Boazzi, we said this last night, didn't we, Garrett? There's something so adhering he transcends the sport he's such a lovely fellow there's so many stories we could sit here and talk about Boazzi as the man and what he gets up to in his general day to day life but when the bell goes the switch goes man and he is just something else we're massive fans of this kid and although we were talking earlier on about Conor Benn and maybe his journey might be limited might not but he might be limited we genuinely think that Boazzi could go all the way don't we
2: well I mean Eddie Hearn obviously is his promoter and is saying he's one of the Best prospects in world boxing, and and you can make a case for that, um, you know. But he's got such presence of mind, Joshua. I mean, it was another great victory for him in a way last night. He didn't want to mess around against Andre Um the, the the Latvian. It was Latvian, I think, uh, from memory. But you know, he he got caught a couple of times as well. He was kind yeah. of reckless last night, but. Mm-hmm.
5: But you know, I enjoyed that. That was the best thing about it. I was just going to say, the best thing about this performance is, he, he went in care. there and he was like, I'm going to take one, but I'm going to land three. Yeah. And that's, I thought, well, if you're going to if you're going to fight Latvian imports on big shows like this, and, you know, I think you've been crazy to bet anything but a Boati knockout here. You're going to have to do it in an entertaining fashion. And I think he did it in entertaining fashion. But also, the rest of the light heavyweights, and it's a... Buzzing division in yeah, the UK yeah. alone. The light heavyweight division is absolutely fresh with loads of new faces. I think a lot of them might have thought, well, if you fight like that, against me. And that's what he wants. But yeah. what he needs opponents, and that's it, the difficulty Eddie Hearn's going to get, he, matching yeah. this guy, he needs to fight like that so we can get him matched again.
2: Yeah, exactly. Look, he's he's. I think he's five fights away for... He's 7-0 oh now, isn't he? I think he's five fights away... From fighting the likes of Callum Johnson, um, maybe not so Frank Bulioni. I think we'll see him fight Frank around his eighth, ninth, tenth fight. I mean, it could be soon. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, you know, forget him matching him with Anthony Yard for now. I mean, they, it'd be great if they could both win world titles first. Yeah. Um. Because that's a big fight. It's a big kind of south. And North London fight again. It's another white against Joshua. But one of the things I liked about him last night, and, and we had a little grin when he was being interviewed by Don McGuinness, was that, um, you know, he said, I, I I wanted to get the fight over with because I wanted to come and listen to the Talk Sport broadcast. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. become a friend of the show. He, the score, He's got, yeah. he knows the score. But also, you listen to that story Eddie Hearn told about him, that he was very busy the other day and he stopped to look after a homeless man. Talking for dinner. He took the took homeless for, guy for dinner. Exactly and you know that's what I love about Joshua and he he went into the corner of Pokemako after he'd hurt him and he was straight over they genuflected he was on his knee and I said to you at the time I bet he's saying a prayer for him right now Mm. and he he did He, he, he concurred with that that you know he's such a good man and and there's so much to like about him. And again, another role model, another standout who's emerging in British boxing. I love
4: him. I want to look like him as well. But I, I You've got love a him.
2: little bit of a bromance going on <laughs> for him. I tell you. <laughs> do you know what I liked
4: about last night? And this is the only time I'm ever going to say something like this on this show. It, it made my heart skip a beat when he came back out. Obviously, he's done the fight. He's gone for a shower. He's come back to watch the main event. And he came past our table and he tapped me on the back. And he goes, all right, Ad. And I look back, back and I went, that's my mate Josh that.
2: <laughs> don't worry fist-bumped me and gave me uh, the big oh, moment, the big don't, G so don't sorry. we all love
5: him a bonfire. This is my moment. <laughs> <laughs> but he
2: but he is brilliant. He he is really do,
5: did he say alright had or did he say where's Gareth? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it. Stick around there's plenty
4: more to come on Talksport. You listen to Fight Night.
5: Steel Snoop Dogg DI
3: DI DI Yes, he back you listen to Fight
4: Night on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis uh, and Nick Pete And obviously I've just had uh, my uh, light put out, literally, by uh, Gareth and Nick there who uh, who said that Joshua wasn't coming to look for me. Joshua Boatsy, this is, uh, to come and hang out because we're obviously we're new bezzy mates now. Uh, and he was coming to hang out with uh, with Gareth. But thanks for that, lads. Josh, if you're listening to the show, if you can just, you know what I mean, maybe do something on social media just to, <laughs> just to show that we're... This is
5: needy. Yeah, This it is. is needy It's now. getting a
4: bit desperate, this, isn't it? This I feel is, like yeah, I'm yeah.
5: on Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a text. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's Anthony Fowler. Oh, see, it's I, my I, friend I, I never
2: now. knew that boxing was going to become so homoerotic. Do you know that?
4: <laughs> Always is, mate, when you're on the show with me, mate. Always is. <laughs> uh, listen, we've we've obviously gone crazy for the main event with Dillian and uh, Joseph Parker. We've talked about uh, Derek Chisora's fantastic knockout, Dave Allen, we've celebrated him, and obviously Josh Bawatsi and, and Katie Taylor. But one man that we haven't mentioned uh, as of yet is uh, Anthony Fowler. And we probably leave him off a lot of our conversations because out of all those Olympic prospects... We probably go a little bit, we go crazy for Bowatzi, we go crazy for a caller. we go crazy for all these guys that have come through. But let's be honest, this guy, his amateur pedigree, nobody can nope. shine a More light. More medals than anybody. Right, it's absolutely crazy what the guy achieved. And last night was the first time since he's turned pro that I was actually impressed. And, and I'll tell you why he wasn't having it all his own way. He looks like when he fights sometimes that it's quite easy for him because of the size of him, just to bully kids, just to bully him, get him out of there, job done. And all right, there's an attraction to that because Carl Frotch used to do it, for example. But last night, I thought O'Brien was really good. I thought he was uh, making Anthony think about totally different things that he's been asked on previous occasions in the professional game. And you could tell that Anthony really did need to listen to Dave Cowell, And that's the first time that I've actually thought, He is actually listening now. Because early doors, you might remember Nick, early doors in his career, it it was very robotic and he was reverting to type a lot rather than listening to what Dave was telling him. But last night was very, very different.
5: Yeah, because obviously the early couple of fights, you could see it in the corner. Dave Calder would actually be screaming in his face saying, you've got to start listening. Uh, I think now, what we saw on Saturday night was Anthony Fowler completely box how Dave Caldwell wants them So You could see the game plan was to go in there. This kid's undefeated, Irish champion. You know, he's more than capable. So what we'll do, we'll get him, we'll slow him down by working to the body for four rounds and then we'll start moving upstairs. And that is pretty much all Fowler through. You know, look at those first four rounds of this fight and very few shots went above the shoulders. Everything was to the body. The straight jab and the long straight right hand to the body as well. And he did soften O'Brien up and took his legs away from him once he started slowing down. That's when he started headhunting then. I thought it was a sensational performance and a real performance that made a statement because, you know, we, we, we get so excited about this Team GB squad and we should do as well because there's so much talent there. But I think Fowler, as the former captain as well, he comes under for a lot of stick because of the way he fights yes you know he calls himself the machine he has a a habit of looking like a machine sometimes quite robotic in there and the level of opponents he's fought he's been fighting guys who've been in there to take him the distance yet he's been putting them away but it looks like he's putting away with brute force rather than with skill and timing and everything else so I I don't think he's caught fire like the rest of the Buatzis and the Kelly's of this world but I think Fowler's the sleep and time bomb I think when he clicks and I think we've seen a bit of that on Saturday night him clicking when this relationship with Dave Caldwell finally clicks into play I don't think there's going to be any holding him back and it was quite strong's of Bell. You talk about him obviously they train in the same camp Bell, you is saying this will be the most when Fowler's ready he will be the most entertaining fighter Liverpool's ever produced I thought that was a massive statement
4: mm. it's going to be interesting to see the development now of Anthony Fowler because like I just said uh, a moment or two ago I, I, I didn't know where he was at. Last night, he, he answered a few questions for me, and now I'm reinvested into the Anthony Fowler journey. I don't know where you're at on, on him, Gareth.
2: Well, I think Craig O'Brien, if you, you listen to Pascal Collins, his, his trainer, the brother of Steve Collins, of course, um, they really do think Craig will become something. As you say, he was undefeated Irish champion. He's a very much a, a boxer, but a very tough guy. And I think we saw for certainly you know, three or four rounds that... That this was a guy that was going to create different issues for Anthony. Who
4: he was very good for four rounds, O'Brien. He yeah, was he very was. good.
2: No, he was, and 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 what you know, and also it, some of his counters were very good, and it yeah. was nice to see, to see Fowler. I don't mean to see him get hit, but it was nice, nice to see him to in s- a fight. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and I, I think very highly of him. I love his attitude. He is an, a consummate professional. Um, he, you know he's got obviously he's got athletic genes in his in his dna there's no question about that mm. um and i do feel that he's a guy who 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 is a very good prospect to go on and be a you know uh, a, a local british european and, and world title challenger um you know you but you look at the 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 kind of guys coming up in the world now. You look at the twenty one year old Jaime Munguia who mm. beat Liam um, Liam Smith last weekend or the weekend before last in in uh, in America in the Hard Rock uh, Hotel and Cafe. I mean, you, you you see the kind of people he's going to have to be up against: Jarrett Hurd, mm. Jamel Charlo, Erizlandi Lara, and <laughs> yeah, um, Cal Brook even. Cal Brook. You know some of these guys. You know, um. He's a, he's will those again, guys
5: be around in ten fights, though, Gareth? You know, um, because I, I, Munguia will, Mungia, def- obviously. Munguia
2: will, um, and I, you know, down the line, he's got to be targeting people like him. What I like about Anthony is he's a man of physicality. I like to see him using his jab more. He mm. throws, he wants to throw to the body hard. He, he's very. He's very scything with a lot of his punches. Yeah. I'd like to see him because he's quite tall and rangy. I'd like to see him come in and out a bit more and use a bit more footwork. I know mm. he likes to let his hands go, so he plants. Well, that's that's been his problem. That's been his
4: problem a little bit. Every shot seems to he wants to, it to be a spiteful shot. He yeah. wants to try and take your head off. Um, and he's learning that every shot doesn't have to be like that. To be fair, that's one of the big attractions that I had with Carl Frotch. When I yeah, used yeah. to watch Carl Frotch, it was because he was aggressive. And it, 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 that, he wanted to do you every single
2: shot. Very similar kind of positional stances, those mm-hmm. two, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 you're right. I mean, obviously, Dave knows, knows Carl really well. They could really take a leaf out of the Frotch book and have a look. Because I think... I've never seen Anthony rocked. I'm not sure if he's ever been down or whether he was down in the amateurs. But he's got that kind of sturdiness. When you're physically next to him, he's a very sturdy, strong-looking man, you know? don't
5: forget this is a guy that in the amateurs it was him and Callum Smith were neck and neck competing Mm. for the for the GB number one spot they fought together one time and it was so close but look at them now as pros you know this guy's making like middleweight Callum Smith is a huge super middleweight he's a freak two two, two weight divisions apart Anthony Fowler's an absolute machine I think right now he's talking about fights with Scott Fitzgerald another former GP guy he's looking at a fight fight. with Ted Cheeseman Mm. and he's not said it yet because of where he's from and he wouldn't but the there's an inevitably a massive fight with James Metcalf, Shane Nerdy's son mm, down the line mm, as well. Mm, it, there's there's some great domestic level opposition that Anthony Fowler's got to lay and compass before we even start talking about the likes of Kel Brook in the international stage. The next putting
2: Liverpool cards for... again together, I yeah. see. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he the wants the another fight at the, uh, at the Echo <laughs> Arena. <laughs> mm.
4: Brilliant. I tell you what, the Fitzgerald Definitely. fight. I, I'm a, Great fight! I love that kid. I think yeah. he's good, and I just think he needs a platform as well to really kick on. Uh, the Scott Fitzgerald, Preston Ladderty. Yep. He's uh, from up my neck of the wood. So I'll take him. You take Fallon. We'll uh, we'll have. We'll meet in the middle. Well, we can't do a, an Eddie Hearn or a a a, a a a Duco events type of bet where it's 20 grand because I'm I'm we're not total Sport don't pay that type of money, but I could do. We might stretch to two quid. I can do two. <laughs> two fifty. <250. laughs> Something like that, anyway, mate. Um, yeah, uh, Anthony Fowler. There, I'm definitely reinvested. It'd be interested to know what uh, fight fans last night uh, thought of his performance. Do get in contact with me on social media at Adam Catterall. Do stick with us. It's fight night on Talksport. Plenty more to get through from the world of boxing. Touching me. Touching. It's fight night on Talk Sport with myself, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis uh, and Nick Pete. We've nearly, nearly done the show, it's flown by, uh, but we've got that much action to talk about from last night. Uh, we've had to leave it to the final section to talk about Mikey Garcia. Everything's been uh, British and domestic, uh, but uh, last night over in the States, Mikey Garcia uh, unified uh, the lightweight division against Robert Easter Jr., who, if you're not too clued up, is no mug. He's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but Mikey, now the WBC and IBF, uh, lightweight champion as well as obviously being a champion at 140 pounds he's now a four division world champion I mean the guy we were having a discussion last week mate, me and you Nick just um, away from the radio talking about pound for pound lists and various things like that he's in that conversation of top five it's just where you stick him in there and there's no question about it um, and just in the break there of the show we all three of us were sat laughing at uh, his, na- his now plans maybe to make it a five division world champion because he wants Errol Spence Jr. at 147 pounds and the first word that came out of your lips nick why didn't he chase lomachenko at one three five gareth come on why didn't he why didn't he chase lomachenko it's a big mistake it's a massive mistake he'll
2: get beaten by errol spence unfortunately obviously as you say he's moved up four weight divisions he dominated um robert easter jr last night putting him down of course with a straight right and a left hook um for me he's one of the great boxers again I'm always feeling incredibly privileged to be around this guy because there's something about him. He has a presence. He's a leader. He's from a great family of of, of, of boxers, of course. The Garcias are renowned mm. um, as, as a family. Three, four generations they go back since the father first walked across, or the great-grandfather walked across the border and into America picking fruit. Um, look, the key, the key is this he should be looking for a Vasil Lomachenko fight because that's the fight that fans would really love to see because it's the push on Lomachenko to see if he can go up against a guy who is naturally bigger with a bullish mm. neck and a big head, Um, who, physically I mean, that who, who has won world titles in four weight divisions and is doing exactly what Lomachenko's doing. Nick's spot on. It's a massive mistake.
5: I just think Lomachenko right now, he, he, you know, he he's so hot the argument is there that he's the number one on the planet pound for pound Mikey Garcia with that performance last night against no mug as you say Robert Easter Jr no mug at all I just think that was the moment I think it, it, it caught us all by shock in the early hours this morning when he got on the microphone and I was thinking here we go this is going to set up now the biggest fight in boxing the, the fight where in the next six months we can all sit down and go well this is it whoever wins this is the number one pound for pound and instead he went for Errol Spence in a, two weight divisions that he's presently at right now mm. it was such a a blindsider that I, I, I still can't really fathom what's going on I think Lomachenko was at home watching that fight thinking okay I know you going to say and I'm ready to answer a phone call I'm ready to jump on social media and go okay let's do it but for some reason he's decided to go in a different direction don't get me wrong I think in terms of Mikey Garcia's legacy to add a fifth weight division and win a world title it, it, would be something absolutely mm. special. And maybe, you know what, maybe he's thinking, I'll go up fight Errol Spence. People think I can't go up to welterweight and do it. I'll go up and do it, but you know what? If I get beat, I can always come back and fight Lomachenko. Maybe mm. that's where his head's at. Uh,
4: and speaking of Lomachenko, I think if we're talking Lomachenko, we've got to talk his, about his mate, who uh, <laughs> is now the undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. And uh, Gareth, last night, there was so much conversation about Usyk. Bell, you were sat in front of us, and we were having a bit of a crack with him. Uh, because well, he was uh, having
2: a cuddle with David Hay at one point. Did you mate? see? They've made each
4: other a few quid, lads. Goodness, I could someone who's made me ten million knots. Goodness, it was,
2: uh, do you know what? It was nice to see, frankly, because Tony has said some brilliant
4: things about David Hay since
2: he retired
4: as well. Mm. No, absolutely. But Usyk, Bellu. Um, at, it's got to happen at Cruiserweight, hasn't it, for all the got marbles? To. Got to, Uh the They're talking November, Gareth.
2: Yeah, they are. Eddie Hearn's looking for venues at the moment. He's looking to, uh, to- told the media, um, myself included, but that was my, one of my Sunday Telegraph pieces today, that he's looking to sign a multiple fight deal or a multi-fight deal with Usik, trying to get him to face Tony Bellew later this year, potentially Dillian White next year, and then if he can come through those two guys face Anthony Joshua at heavyweight. Joshua has been on the phone to him saying I want a bit of this guy. Belly was straight on the phone to him on his honeymoon with Rachel um saying I want a bit of this guy. Tony looked very well, very suntan. In fact, he had a big kind of Gucci man's bag with him last night mm, mm. in which he had he was putting this, the cream over his arms, didn't want to burn yeah. his arms. Yeah, so yeah, where, yeah. where was he been out? He's in... changed, he's changed,
4: man. It's that think, David money.
2: T- it changes it, it, it did. I think he'd been in, as they say in Liverpool, Mechanos.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's it. Eating chicken. Eating chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you had a
2: right old time out in making us, yeah. Do you know what, though? He has really become a star. And he was, as you say, he was in front of us last night, bellowing at Derek Chisora and cheering for him. Mm. And you know what? I would really, really relish. Hearn wants to do it in an arena, which I think is right, as we were talking about arenas and stadiums earlier. He wants to do Bellew and Usyk in, in an arena. I'm kind of relishing that fight because Tony, like... Dillian White, who have been talking about all night, has so much tenacity. Yes, everyone will say, oh, you sickle out, box him, and he won't lay a hand on this He probably will movement. for 11
4: rounds, mate. He probably will.
2: But you know what? Do not write Tony Bellion That's off. it. It's That's the whole as point. As
4: that. That's the whole point. He's got the detonator, hasn't he? He's got the equaliser, and all he needs, as he keeps telling us, I only need to hit him once. Yeah, and he will. Our scouts are together! <laughs> They're all at it now. They're all at it. Um, just moving on quickly from that because I'm I'm conscious of time as the as the show comes to uh, an end. The uh, obviously Usik Won the Ali Trophy, World Boxing Super Series uh, last weekend. We've got one more uh, from season one to uh, conclude the big show. Obviously, it's uh, Callum Smith versus George Groves. Uh, We've been telling you for about two months where it was going to happen. And it was confirmed last Friday uh, that it's in the Middle East. It's in Jeddah. Now, for British fight fans... It is obviously a shame, because we've just been speaking about venues and events and various things like that, and we are booming here at this moment in time. It is a shame that this won't take place in front of British fight fans, because it's such a super fight.
5: It is. uh, The only good thing, if there is such a thing, is that Jed has only, uh, I think they've returned flights about £400. So it's not actually that expensive a trip for British fans if they did want to go over there. I know there's quite a few from Liverpool planning on going over there. It's more expensive to go over to America. Um, This this was the buy-off. You know, we've got to put this in Put this in the ske- grand scheme of things, the, the World Boxing Super Series has been so good is because it's well-financed. And how is it well-financed? Because it's got money from the Middle East. And what's the buyout? The Middle East need to, to have one of the finals. It was talking originally it was going to be the Cruiserweight yep, final. Yep. Then when Grove was pulled out, obviously the issue with the injury it pushed it back. It ended up being Grove Smith going over to the Middle East. If this is the price we've got to pay for the two tournament brackets that we've just had, I'm kind of cool with that. I wish it was in Liverpool, of course, or in Manchester or even the O2 Arena, but I'm quite cool with it. As long as it's happening and as long as it's these two, mm. then I want to see it. I can't wait for it. Mm.
4: Are you going to be all right in uh, in Jeddah, Gareth? You know what I mean? Uh, I know what you like to get up to of a, of a night and they've got very strict rules in Jeddah, pal. You might be, uh, you might be getting yourself arrested. I think I might stick to the studio
2: for that, <laughs> night. Um, but, but look I mean look it's like you say it is disappointing. It is on a Friday, I hasten to add, it's um mm. it's a it's the twenty eighth seventh. It's a Friday, not a Saturday. Yeah. Saturday sun Saturday and being a religious day of course out there. Look, um it's an unusual place. Uh, there isn't a lot of great sporting activity going on in there. But, you know, like you say, the Camosa the AG had a um had a deal with, with them some of the Middle Eastern backers. Um you know, I, I, the, the more time goes on, the longer that um, George Groves has been out, the more opportunity I think there is for Callum Smith in this fight. Um, you fancied him from the start when, he did, mm. when we did our Talksport TV show, um, Adam. And I think Nick fancies Callum because he's a Liverpudlian. Yep. Um, but the, the great thing is, if Callum wins this, there's a great, there's another great all Liverpool fight to be had between Rocky Fielding and Callum Smith that unifies both the regular and super WBA super middleweight belts. Mm. I, I know that's they may have grander plans for Callum, that I, who I think is going to become the best of the four boxing brothers from mm. Liverpool, the Smith brothers. Um, but thank God it's finally been announced. I think. I'd have preferred it in early October in the UK. I think we all would have because September mm. is proving such a busy month for boxing. Mm. Amir Khan on September the 8th, G- Kennedy Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez on the 15th, Joshua in Las Vegas, Joshua and Povetkin uh, on the 22nd at Wembley. Then we, we moved to the 28th and um, Smith and Groves. I mean, gents, this is an incredible
4: time. It's, it's all right, it? It's quite, it's all right. What a month. I'm going on holiday in September. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you're not. We need you here. And I tell you what, can I just say this? Mm. Um, I, I've got to say this because it was brilliant of the fans last night. Not only did we enjoy the broadcast so much, Adam, with Don McGuinness, with Glenn Rawling, uh, um, uh, with Glenn uh, McCrory and John Rawling, but... There were so many brilliant comments from the TalkSport listeners last night on social media. And it is so encouraging for us because we put heart and soul into this. And those comments, we don't mind the criticism, we don't mind the trolls. I do. I don't, I, do. I don't, I Leave don't. Me I, I, but, but people were brilliant with us last night and we will continue to deliver that for the for the listeners on TalkSport because we love
4: this sport. Absolutely. In the World Boxing Super Series uh, final between George Groves and Callum Smith uh, will be live and exclusive on TalkSport so do come and join us for that. It'll be an absolute cracking night because let's be honest, I know that, okay, we would have loved it in the UK to have been there ringside and with all the fans around us and all that type of stuff but every single main event in the World Boxing Super Series, cruiserweight, middleweight has lived up to its billing. They've yep. all been absolutely sensational for all different reasons. I mean, last week we thought we were going to get a gun show between Usyk and, uh, and Gassiev, but we didn't. We got an absolute masterclass of a geezer floating like a butterfly and stinging like a bee, to quote uh, the phrase of the greatest of all time. Um, and we might get something unexpected
5: in this final. But I'm quietly confident... Jeddah as well. It'll have a different feel. I, yeah. it. I think it, I think it's cool. Well, I'm quietly confident
4: it's not going to be a stinker. I think it's going to be a great yeah. fight.
5: Well, do you know what? I, we both still think, Callum Smith, it would be the first upset... In the entire tournament, both regarding seeds regarding, in, seeds, regarding seeds, the number one seed won the Cruiseweight tournament, beating the number two. And in this one, we've got the number one seed, George Groves, against Callum Smith, who's the yeah, number two. You know, we could get our first upset of the tournament in the very, very last fight of the entire tournament.
2: Very quickly for me, gents, because I know we're running out of time. The, the one thing I do fear for George Groves in this contest is that once you've dislocated your shoulder, I agree, it can happen any time. And you know what, Joe Gallagher will be telling Callum target that we'll shoulder up. as soon as the bell goes, Absolutely. start hitting him on that left shoulder, that's what he'll do
4: I agree, I agree and it's good. that's an, another interesting caveat to that fight, 28th of September, make sure you're with us for that uh, we've got lots to talk about uh, next week. Garrett's actually in the big boys' seat next week. He's in charge next week. I'm having a week. I'll am having a week.
2: i try and do my be. best. Do my accent, lads. So then they don't... I can do your bloody accent easily. No problem at all. I'll be pretending I'm having pies and pee before end. and cups, cups of tea in the break and a little pint of lager afterwards. I'm not having any of that Northern California trash down my throat. And on that
4: note, I'll bid you farewell and see you in a couple. Of weeks This has been Fight Night on Talk Sport.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello?